My name is Ruvain Flamer. I'm with Zacharia Lipitz. Let's have a street for Brengen. So it's street for Brengen number two, Zacharia. For those of you who are joining this for Brengen for the first time, street for Brengen gets to the core of things. And we began talking last week about trauma, that Gimel Thomas was a trauma that hit the Lubavitch community, by inference, the Jewish community. And this trauma, like any other trauma, is reacted to in a number of ways. We're not going to go over all the ways that you delineated um, Zechariah, but the most important one. And I think it's something that we have to tackle. However you understand the sikhs of Nonalav and Nunbeis, whether you learn them, whether you ignore them, it puts a cloud on the, on the veracity, the truth, the ultimate truth of what the Rebbe said. And you suggested that that's the trauma of Lubavitch. How far deep do you go? Is it through and through? Or do you hit a bottom where you say, I have a suffolk? Yeah. And, and this is, and it's so important for us to just know ourselves and know that, you know, <laughs> we, we, could, we could talk here all night about other people's suffolks and we could talk all night about you know, what really comes up in, in terms of what, what a trauma does. But let's just say it simply, just to recap this idea, it puts a cloud on your perspective. And that cloud on your perspective is going to permeate not only your opinion of that one thing, but is going to permeate your entire life. And it's going to make you shut down in one way or another. So what does it create a suffolk on? So from the many conversations that I've had with people, you know, throughout the years, and I'm sure other people have similar experiences, is the idea that the the suffolk could go as light, I guess you could say, I don't even know if that's the right word to use it, but as light to just what the Rebbe said. You just have a suffolk on what the Rebbe said on those years. Or you could have a suffolk in a deeper way on the Rebbe as a whole, on the entire Nasius, on everything that he said. Do, do you think there are people who think that? It's not even a question, because once you put a suffolk in a person's head, even if they won't admit it, even if they'll you know, not even recognize that they believe it themselves, what they'll start to do is any time they'll see something that they don't agree with or doesn't you know, it doesn't fit with their already uh, preconceived belief system, they'll either reject it or they'll ignore it, which is how you have an entire generation that focuses on, you know, the positive attitude and, you know, <laughs> and on, on all the really beautiful, nice things that the, that the Rebbe said. And instead of focusing on the whole uh, package, on the, the incredibly chesedic things that the Rebbe said, as much as the Gavoradika things that the Rebbe said. And now it's not to say that you have to do, you know, one or the other. It's trying to understand that there's a, there's a whole. There's, a, there's, a, there's an acceptance of the whole versus the acceptance of the parts. 
And a lot of people I've heard say, you know, it's only because they believe that the Rebbe would accept me as I am, which is, you know, not where I believe even where I should be, is the only reason why I'm even from to begin with, or I'm even Lubavitch to whatever degree I'm Lubavitch to begin with. And I think that's really where you see that suffix play itself out. And then you have people who, you know, have a suffix not only on the Rebbe and the Rebbe's Nasius, you have a question on the whole Chabad. You know, we spoke a little bit last week about, uh, you know, a topic that is so crucial for us, which is when we learn Hasidus, how literal do we believe that the Jew that it's talking about in the Maimarim and Sichas is referring to us? is referring to our nefesh alakis, is referring to our potential that we have the ability to actualize. And you mentioned last time, you know, the, the fact that, you know, people learn it on an intellectual level because they don't want to bring their emotions into it. They don't want to see how it could change themselves because they were told for so many years by, you know, different people that, you know, to think that you could achieve what the Maimaram and Sichas talk about, you're crazy or you're a fool or, you know, it's not even impossible. Or you're a Baltsuva. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you have that whole suffix on, you know, does anything that all of Chabad say really resonate with me? When, when Tanya talks about, you know, your potential and your obligation to become a Benini, you know, how, how literal do you take that? You know, okay, you could have different explanations, but I'm saying, do you even, do you even go with the starting point of, yeah, but that's the truth. And now I have to, you know, approach it from understanding that that's the truth. Or do you come in saying, you know, okay, he says that, but, you know, it's <laughs> me, me be a bane and e. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, fine. You know, that's never going to be possible. That's not, that's not even shy, you know, in, in any kind of reality. Give me a, give me a hundred generations and I'm not going to get there. Uh, and then you have people who, is, who are going to take it and bring that suffix to all of Yiddishkeit. You know, people especially who had the Rebbe as the focus and the the foundation for either their whole Yiddishkeit or their parents' whole Yiddishkeit or all the generations' whole Yiddishkeit, you know, when you put something into question, <laughs> it puts quite literally everything into, uh, into question. And that's something that's very painful for, I think, a lot of people to admit to that, uh, you know, you could have a kapata and, and a nice hat and a nice long beard and you could be breaking Shabbos. Because the whole thing came into question because they're going in this trauma mode of not even having a connection between their levushim and their insides, which everybody talks about and forbrings about, but doesn't really focus on the, the true core why they have the suffix to begin with. You know, I'm reminded of a story I once heard directly from uh, Rabbi Yosef Weinberg, for those who don't know who he is, it's, he wrote the lessons, he said on the radio, Lessons in Tanya, and that's the book, that's a transcript of all those broadcasts. And um, I heard him say this directly, that I don't remember exactly the individual that was gave this over, but the Friedrich Rebbe was in Chicago. And there was, which is in the 40s, and the, maybe even been in 29 when he came here, I'm not sure which date. In any case, the Rebbe, Friedrich Rebbe, had a Yechidus with a Hamish Yid who came in with his son to Yechidus. And the Hamish Yid told his son 
the protocols of seeing a Rebbe. You don't shake hands, you don't sit down, and so forth. And this son of his, how should we say, had uh, Americanized. And the father obviously was hoping that he would be touched by the Friedrich Rebbe and he would change his life around, Jewishly. In any case, they come into the room after he was given the protocols. And uh, the son sits down on the chair. And the father is mortified because he just told him that he's not supposed to sit down. But then that wasn't enough for this uh, younger man. And he put the feet, his feet up on the desk that was between him and the Frida Kareva. And the, you can imagine the, sh- the, the shame and the embarrassment of the father that there's, and he's in front of the Rebbe and he's putting his feet up on the desk like he's at a bar somewhere in a Western movie. And the Frida Kareva says to the father, this is the makeup of American youth. They cannot tolerate echad v'lev v'echad b'piv. They cannot tolerate when your heart is one way, but you verbalize it a different way. In other words, hypocrisy. Americans hate hypocrisy. And he turned to the father and said that when you realize that this is what's bothering your son, I don't know what the Friedrich Reb was referring to, then you'll be able to turn him around. So what you're saying, Zachariah, is teaching Hasidus Forget about Nun Alev Nun Beis. Teaching Hasidus, where the Meshpia himself has a suffix, whether it's nothing more than intellectual, or at least he teaches it that way, is Echel Belev Echel Bepif. And you end up with your children, or yourself, with your feet on the Rebbe's table. Yeah. And and it's <laughs> that's a good story, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean this is this is exactly what ends up transpiring. Whether it's an infection that hits you, you know, the day after Kimmel Thomas, <laughs> or it hits you uh, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, or next generation, or two generations from now, but it's an infection. And and this is really where you see it. You see it in the fact that if reality did in fact change, as the Rebbe described, and you're focusing on a previous reality because you're going back to a place of comfort, you're going back to a place of familiarity, if that place of familiarity is not true anymore and you're only going there because you're traumatized, then you're, you're bringing that reality to the forefront, which is not true anymore. And so you're going to create a hypocrisy because the Rebbe is telling you one thing and you're either living or speaking or teaching in another. And let's make it a little bit more practical. Let's, let's talk about, you know, what, what, what's one thing that I think well, well, is, let's be specific. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's pick one example, but there really are a lot. And this is something that, again, we could have, we could have multiple <laughs> for bring-ins about, uh, street for bring-ins about. When the Rebbe says that 
the sparks have been elevated. And they have not only been elevated (laughs) in a general sense, but he says even the small little things that needed to be, you know, fixed up, uh, you know, left over, you know, polish the buttons, you know, everything has been totally completed and totally done. Now, that sounds like a very nice intellectual uh, question. It's like, okay, they're, they're, they're elevated. They're not elevated. Okay, fine, whatever the case is. If you go to a Febrengan, and I've been to many that have talked about this point, and you are talking about the fact that your mitzvahs, its accomplishment is in order to elevate the sparks, in order to bring Mashiach, and the Rebbe says, Beferish, in multiple places that that is not true anymore, because that has already been accomplished, you're telling somebody something that is now no longer the reality. And if that person ends up finding out that the Rebbe says that that's no longer the reality, they're going to say to you, well, why did you tell me that? Why is that no longer true? Could you unrefine sparks? As one person told me, which was the most insane conversation I've ever had. But but could you could you unrefine? Could you go backwards? But to, to say to go back to a reality that the Rebbe said has been complete is going to create this suffolk. It may not be apparent immediately, but it, you're planting an, infect, an infectious seed that is going to grow and create an issue somewhere down the line. It also brings to mind, you know, there's the, um, st- the letter in the f- front of Kunshas Avoida of the Rebbe Rashab about davening, and in the letter from the Friedrich Rebbe, and he warns, I remember the date exactly, but he warns parents and teachers that there's going to come a time when their kids are going to complain to them, why didn't you tell me about davening? Why didn't you tell me it's real? Why didn't you tell me that I can have this connection, if you wish, through davening? And I think think that um, to a large degree, we're in that place in a lot of different ways. Um, And therefore... We have this going back to the story I said before. We have this 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 trauma, where you were being taught one thing, and we're saying it has nothing to do with reality. Or what you're saying is we're ta- teaching an old reality, and it has nothing to do with a new reality, um, whether we like that or not. Um, and then we have a crisis, and there's many different crises that we've seen in the last thirty years. There's um, people opting out. There's Call of the Chauffeur, which was a big one. There's 15 ads in Neshe Chabad magazine in the last month that advertising various professionals saying if you're in a trauma mode or if you're in addiction mode and so forth, which, by the way, addiction is another interesting one because it's one of the other things that we mentioned from last time we were met four things that Lubavitchers couldn't wrap their uh, organizational minds around, which was um, Mashiach, Shlemus Aretz, Sheva Mrs. B'nai Noyach, and Mi And the personal one was alcohol. 
And alcohol is a sign of trauma, alcohol abuse. So what do we do about it? First and foremost, we need to learn what the Rebbe says. We need to actually know what he ends up saying, which may be different than what he said in previous years. The same way that a Lubavitcher chassid is not going to hold to Shulchan Aruch Arav if it says something different in the Siddur, because <laughs> it was obviously written later, <clears throat> the same, I think, has to apply to how the Rebbe describes reality. If he says something changes then that's the change. That's what it is. And, and at least knowing what the Rebbe says in its full detail is literally a directive of the Rebbe when he makes the push that a person needs to study in Yanei Gula and Mashiach so that they could start to live that way now. And again, the practical implication of all this that was you know alluded to last time but really needs to be spoken about and focused on is that living with Mashiach or living with Geula means that a person becomes from totally Bishlamis because Geula is about living <laughs> your fullest, truest self and life through Torah and mitzvahs. So the, we have to stop being afraid of these realities. Now, again, we need to explain these realities. We need to understand how, you know, it stems with, uh, you know, what it says in different places. And again, those are all important conversation pieces. But at the very beginning, we have to learn about Inyane Gul and Mashiach, because first of all, the Rebbe said to do that. And second of all, that's going to allow us to at least start talking about this on a, on a real intellectual and then hopefully emotional and then hopefully practical level. There's a problem with that. And that is there are a whole group of people who do that, and you say they're still living in trauma mode. Um, let's go back to trauma. I hate that word, by the way. <laughs> let's go. I am not a trauma therapist, by the way. <laughs> I should, probably should have mentioned that originally. <laughs> but we'll call it trauma because you, 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 you put that hat on this whole subject. Um, if... Unless you're going to tell me that learning the Inyane of Gula Mashiach removes the suffix itself, the doubt that we said before. We're saying, you said in the last time we met that you believe that we are teaching Hasidus in a trauma mode. So before you learn the Inyane of Gula Mashiach, what's the approach, the headspace, the heart space that I can sit down right now after this podcast and open up a safer and treat it not in a trauma mode. Good point. Okay, good point. And <laughs> I needed to sigh because it's something that is discussed and talked about uh, pretty often, I think, at Fabringen's in, in Chabad. But I'm going to re-say it and I'm going to give it a little bit of the twist based off of what we're saying. When you sit down to learn, you need to go in with a fresh approach. Meaning you can't go in saying, I'm holding here and now I'm going to learn the Sikha or the Mimer. You have to go in to the Sikha and Mimer and say, I am going to believe like a Chassid with Betel or however you want to phrase it. I am going to believe with 100% certainty that everything that he says 
on a simple Pushit level that the Rebbe says on a simple Pushit level is true and that he is describing reality. And then afterwards, if I don't agree with it or if I don't see reality that way, then the problem lies with you, not with the Sicha or the Mimer. And when you have that approach, and again, it's actually an avoida. It's not easy because, again, it's going to make you uncomfortable because you're going to be seeing reality one way and the Rebbe is going to be saying something else. And you're going to then have to say, okay, well, I see it this way and, and the Rebbe says it the other way, but, you know, I'm the one looking around and I'm the one who has to live my life moving forward with, you know, all the, all the challenges and problems that are, you know, coming up in my life. But at least for a moment, or at least the time that you're learning to actually just believe what the Rebbe says and believe it on a very simple level. And then after the fact, try to figure out how it applies to your life and applies to reality. So let's, let's make sure we understand what you just said, because we, we spoke last time about the 19-year-old Bachar, whoever he may be. So the 19-year-old Bachar sitting in yeshiva learning diligently isn't doing that already? He, he is doing that. Because, again, he's a good bucker, like you said, and he believes and he knows and everything like that. But going to the point of the expectation of what the learning should accomplish, whether you could actually, you know, daven with more kavana, whether you could actually achieve these spiritual levels or spiritual consciousness that the, that the Rebbe kind of implies a person needs to have, you know, all of these things that are avoided based off of his boininess need to be taken seriously by themselves and shouldn't be naysayed because of other peers and or higher authorities who are telling them that they can't. Well, that itself is um, a major hurdle. You know, the rhetoric that, that the authorities are saying he can't, one of the repeated rhetorics in Fabrengans is the mourning M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G the mourning, the availus of what we used to have forget about before Gimel Thomas, what we used to have and the great Hasidim of Amal a long time ago and the inference is we aren't those it's one of the reasons why at Chabad Life we had that program called Chabad Heroes because I don't think we need to convince people that the Rebbe was amazing and was a, a balnace and so forth. We have to convince ourselves that we are. Um, but you know, so deep is this an issue that I just heard in my head. Baljuva. <laughs> and and again, this is this is something not to take away from previous generations and previous accomplishments. But when you make a statement, as many people hear, which is, you know, the Hasidim in Russia had the real Masir Snefesh, you know, the, the Hasidim who who really, uh, you know, who lived a certain lifestyle and, you know, did it a certain way. Well, they're the real ones and everybody else is are either just phonies or they're uh they're just not cutting it up to snuff comparatively. You know, that that type of rhetoric is also dangerous because it puts down where you're holding 
and what you're able to accomplish. And I mean that pretty simply because the Rebbe says very clearly in Atatetzave that the Mesiris Nefesh that we have when things are good is actually even greater Mesiris Nefesh compared to when there's challenges and problems. And again, it's not to take away because what they accomplished was amazing and it got us to the place where we are now. But the Rebbe actually says even in Asicha that, you know, you're standing on your own shoulders, the merits of your own shoulders, meaning you're standing on your own merit from previous Gilgulim and, and generations, because the reality is, is that that avoida was important and real then. But the fact is, is that our avoida and, and mission now is not only important, but it's actually the Iker. <laughs> it's actually Atmos. It's actually the highest level. And we need to start actually getting into uh, either, you could phrase it a, a, a mystical consciousness, or you could call it, you know, just living in reality. And when you do that, you could actually start to tap into some of this potential and start getting in touch with not only, you know, the Hasidus that you're learning, but with yourself. I've always said that how much you believe Hasidus is real equals how much you believe Mashiach is real. So you've given us a lot of, a lot of thought and you gave us a marching order today. Sit down and learn a mimer. Sit down, not only learning a mimer, sit down and open up your sitter in the morning and first say to yourself, what am I really capable of doing? Not what have I tried to do, because there may not have been a lot of that. The Middle Rebbe says that in a mimer. But rather, what, do I, what am I really capable? Who says I'm not capable of what it says that I am? To be continued. You've been listening to A Street for Brangham, a production of ChadbadLife.tv and Studio 262.